0: From the very heart of the NIPTI Radio Recording Studios, high above 107 Columbia, with both eyes on Eagle Street, where our friends in the Court of Appeals are packing their bags and will soon be going on their summer vacation. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of the nipty Practice Tips. Today, we'll be discussing consolidation and severance of single defendant cases. Here we go. There are four statutory bases, any one of which is sufficient to justify the consolidation of multiple crimes allegedly committed by one defendant into a single indictment or prosecutor's information. When dealing with a single defendant who is accused of multiple criminal acts, it is important to understand that there is a difference between the rules a court must apply when dealing with a motion to consolidate versus those employed in dealing with a motion to sever. In post-indictment situations, when an application for consolidation is made, the people or the defense are attempting to have two or more separate indictments combined into one indictment in order to litigate all the crimes at a single trial. In order to obtain a consolidation, the party making the application must, according to People v. Lane, a 1982 Court of Appeals decision, demonstrate to the satisfaction of the court not only that the offenses charged in the separate indictments are joinable in accordance with the statutory criteria formed in 200.20, subdivision 2, but also that combination for a single trial is an appropriate exercise of discretion of the court pursuant to CPL 200.20, subdivision 4. In contrast, Severance is a procedure wherein the people or the defense will move to obtain separate trials where two or more counts have been already joined in a single indictment, either as a result of having been indicted that way or as a result of a successful consolidation motion. For the party moving for severance to be successful, the party must demonstrate either one of the two following points. First, the counts are not properly joined pursuant to the statutory criteria of CPL 200.20 Subdivision 2 and its four subdivisions. Or, secondly, if the only basis for the original joinder of the counts is pursuant to CPL 200.20 Subdivision 2C, that is, the crimes are same or similar the moving party may ask the court to exercise its discretion to sever because the severance would be, quote, in the interests of justice and for good cause shown. If the cases are properly joined by any one of the other three subdivisions found in 200.20 subdivision 2c, there is no second basis for severance. The court does not have the authority to grant a severance except under subdivision 2C. First, the counts are not properly joined pursuant to the statutory criteria of CPL 200.20 subdivision 2 and its four subdivisions. Or second, if the only basis for the original joinder of the counts is pursuant to CPL 200.20 subdivision 2C, that is the same or similar crime subdivision, The moving party may ask the court to exercise its discretion to sever because the severance would be, quote, in the interests of justice and for good cause shown. If the cases are properly joined by any of the other three subdivisions found in CPL 200.20, subdivision 2C, there is no second basis to justify severance. This rule, the disseverance based on the exercise of discretion by the motion court, is available only when the sole basis for the joinder is subdivision 2C. Take a look at the case of People v. Zinneman, a First Department case from 1999 where leave to the Court of Appeals was denied, is clearly different from the rule applied in determining motions to consolidate but the court does have the discretion to deny the motion to consolidate regardless of the subdivision upon which the motion is based. Therefore, when charging the defendant for multiple criminal transactions, it is usually preferable to charge the defendant in a single indictment or prosecutor's information rather than presenting the cases separately to the grand jury and then filing separate indictments followed by a post-indictment motion to consolidate. Remember, You will be in a stronger position to keep an indictment from being severed than you will be in moving for consolidation. Let's take a look at those four bases upon which multiple crimes are joinable in a single indictment against a single defendant. Again, pursuant to CPL 200.20 Subdivision 2. First, they are based upon the same act or upon the same criminal transaction. As that term is defined in Subdivision 2 of Section 40.10. Number 2. Even though based upon different criminal transactions, such offenses, or the criminal transactions underlying them, are of such a nature that either proof of the first offense would be material and admissible as evidence in chief upon a trial of the second, or proof of the second would be material and admissible as evidence in chief upon the trial of the first even though based upon different criminal transactions, and even though not joinable pursuant to the previous basis, such offenses are defined by the same or similar statutory provisions and consequently are the same or similar in law. Number four, though not directly joinable with each other, as indicated in the first three bases, each is joinable with a third offense contained in the indictment. In such a case, each of the three offenses may be properly joined, not only with each other, but also with any further offenses joinable with either of the other two, and the chain of joinder may further extend accordingly. In other words, if the defendant commits crime A, crime B, and crime C, and crime B is joinable with crime A and crime C is joinable with crime A, then B and C are also joinable with each other, even though it does not fit any of the first three reasons for joining the crimes. Trial, There is a distinction in how the jury is charged and how you may try the case based on which subdivision of CPL 200.20 subdivision two serves as the basis for the consolidation. When you proceed to trial with an accusatory instrument that alleges multiple criminal transactions, it is important for you to be clear as to whether the cases are joined only because they are of a same or similar nature, pursuant to subdivision 2C, or because evidence of one case is admissible as evidence in the other, such as when the people are claiming a unique modus operandi. If the evidence presented at trial bears out that the crimes are joined only pursuant to subdivision 2C, then a limiting instruction must be given to the jury. The trial court instructs that they are to consider each case individually and not to use the evidence in one to establish the guilt in the other. This is also applicable in charging a grand jury. The evidence of one of the criminal transactions is to be used as evidence in the other The court should so instruct the jury. Please be sure to keep in mind that pursuant to CPL 100.35, the rules enunciated here in CPL 200.20 apply to misdemeanors in criminal court informations as well as to felonies in indictments. Please be sure to read all the attached materials that relate to consolidation and severance. And if you have any questions, please let us know. Our thanks as always to our crack producer and a man who is constantly consolidated, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friend.